Well, hey, guys, welcome. Excited. All you guys woke up early here in the States, and it's afternoon for Francois and Lydia, but uh, we just appreciate you. And uh, I put a Facebook post out, and people were so excited because I said, Francois and Lydia probably, uh, in my opinion, do the best job of of just the, the true gospel, the heart of the Father, the love of the Father, and love of humanity do a great job of including all humanity in, in uh, his love, his completeness. And so they, uh, I w- if you haven't done it, guys, I would encourage every one of you to get the Mirror Study Bible. And they have it in the app as well as Kindle now if you go to mirrorword.net. And, uh, yeah, whatever you want to share. I, I just, uh, we're, we're excited. We've, uh, I'm pretty sure we've probably uh, moved a couple thousand Bibles for you. <laughs> that's important so anyway just love and appreciate what you do and who you stand for whatever you want to share really i think uh uh you know what is the true gospel would be a great place to start in your mind yeah fantastic uh, mike it's such a joy absolute absolute joy for lydia and i such a thrill to connect with you across the pond you know and um Really, I like what the Americans call this mighty ocean. You know, it's just, just a pond. <laughs> and it's just amazing to realize how everything shrinks, you know, in, in, in God's economy. You know, long distance becomes an immediate uh, engagement. So, um, you know, we are so, so thrilled to be alive today and to, to know that we have within our skin packaged everything that needs to be, you know, everything that it takes to live life to the full engineer of the universe wired us to just be so compatible isn't it amazing that we can tap into a resource not some uh, crossing some distant lands and time zones but tapping into a resource that is immediate within our spirit within our innermost being and uh, it's, it's such a joy mike thank you so much for this opportunity we really honor you and bob and 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 everyone joining us um, this, today, I always going to say this this afternoon, but I realize for the Americans, it's an early start. You know, normally when you go down, especially on Crowder side of the planet, you know, they like to start about 11 o'clock-ish, you know, especially if, if Rod Williams has anything to do with it. You know, it's just, please don't stop before 11. So this, this is a big call. But thank God that we are discussing and realizing a reality that takes us far beyond time zones and, and our geographical, cultural locations, our political situations, our epidemic situations, you know, there's a far greater reality that is much closer to us than our breath. We cannot, doesn't matter how indifferent we try and be, how unbelieving we try and act and behave, we cannot escape the all-embracing um, arms of the loving Father that Jesus came to introduce us to. I'm so glad that Father has his mind made up, that Jesus is the mind of God made up. Jesus is not God, you know, just trying a desperate move to interrupt our history so that at least we have a calendar to go by, you know, and, and schedule our, our, our lives by. But to realize that God interrupted our history with the greatest move that one could ever imagine. And um, I, so, um, I so enjoy realizing that when Paul... Uh, I was just looking at it this afternoon again, Paul's prayer, you know, in, in Ephesians, how his desire is to communicate a word with such clarity that the mystery would just unfold. That he says, when you read this in Ephesians chapter three, you will perceive my insight. And talking about the Mirror Bible too, you know, we really have no other agenda but to just allow people to perceive an insight that belongs to every individual on this planet, an insight that awakens our minds that goes, wow. 
wow, you know, we, we designed for that. You know, we, we were in the tourism industry for, for several years, Lydia and I, and, um, it was always such a joy to bring people into the beauty of what, what South Africa has to offer. And, uh, especially in our wildlife context and, and to witness people's, um, uh, absolute spontaneous wow. When, when they see for themselves, I remember when we had Baxter Kruger here, we, we, he said to me, Francois, I only want to see a giraffe. And, you know, as we drove into the area, there was this giraffe behind the tree. And, and you just witness ba- Baxter's eyes go, wow. <laughs> it's such a joy to share moments that awakens a spontaneous wow. And the greatest wow that humanity could ever encounter is when the reality of all that was revealed in Christ dawns on us. I so enjoy also how Peter says, he says, you will do well if you pay attention to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place. And here Peter in his old age already getting ready to go, you know, I mean, Jesus told him, he says in, in 1 Peter 1, he says, he showed me that my time of departure was soon. So, so here's Peter. I mean, we, we're talking 1,500 years before the printing press, and we're talking about an illiterate fisherman desiring to so document his encounter that in the ages to come, the generations to follow, we would have exactly the same access to the same encounter, to the same eyewitness, see for yourselves. It's not just hearsay that we're trying to pass on. And here Peter was dealing with scripture like Paul did and all the other lovely brethren that, you know, they're dealing with scripture that, that was carried in the prophetic womb of the words that was inspired, the words inspired in, in, in the prophet's hearts and understanding. And so Peter says, we have the prophetic word made more sure. So, um, you know, excuse me for getting a bit excited and bubbling about this, but I, I so desire for people to, to discover the, the conversation beyond the conversation. You know, there's so much we can say in words. There's so much we can, we can capture in a, in a brief moment of conversation, but there's a larger conversation that began before time was. John says, in the beginning was the word face to face with God. There is in the, in, in the heart of God no desire for any kind of sense of separation or, you know, if you were hanging there and totally your thumbs and kind of hanging there for, for, for a better day on the horizon, but to immediately in the midst of the thickest degree of, of contradiction to tap into the same resource and to discover the prince of peace, the one who, who surpasses my, my intellect and my, my desire to try and, you know, try and uh, capture things in my, little, in my little schedules and programs, but you're the one to, to, to speak a word that, that births a conversation that is bigger than the conversation. And so when Peter writes in, in he says, um, he says we, we, we have the prophetic word, made more sure. That means it's, it, we're no longer just listening to, you know, paging through some scroll that, that Isaiah spoke or, or, or any of the prophets spoke or David sung in his, in his Psalms, but we're tapping into something that became alive in our innermost being. He says, and we will make sure that after our departure, you at any time will be able to recall these things. At any time, we can just tap in and, and recollect the very same 
impact that the prophetic word had in the revelation of Jesus the Christ, the culmination of time, the eschatos of God. Hebrews 1 says that in these last days, God has spoken to us. We've always been the audience of God, whether we've tapped in or we've, we've you know, dug our fingers into our ears, we don't want to hear. God's always been uh, in, in conversation with the human race. And everything that God could say in his, in, in his perfect, most collective format was spoken in Jesus. You know, every little shadow, every little nuance, every glimpse of prophetic thought found its full stature in the man, Jesus Christ, face to face with the Father and in the same reality, face to face with the human race. There is not one person on this planet that ever lived, that will ever live in the far future, that is not equally valued, equally embraced, equally represented in the man Jesus Christ. So from there, the urgency in someone like Peter writing that I will make sure that after my departure, you'll be able to so recall these things that your hearts will burn. He says, and here's my, here's my hint. He gives us a lovely hint. I mean, this man was illiterate, as I said. You know, he wasn't a scholar according to any of our standards but he was a man who encountered he was an eyewitness remember the day that jesus took those three fishermen i mean peter james and john <laughs> already you know i mean he at least bring go via the jerusalem university and get a learned person so you know at least delay this whole thing with two thousand years of technology you can catch up imagine we are invited right now to join him on that holy mountain that peter speaks about you know and and, and have jesus transfigured before suddenly we you know like paul says we we used to know him that way but we know him that's no longer and and, and they are absolutely blissed out of their minds when when he's it's just light shining everywhere. And there's this cloud and this voice from within the cloud. So Peter is obviously recollecting this and realizing my, 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 how blessed, how privileged I was to hear and to witness with James and, and, and John, Elijah, Moses standing there and the completeness of the prophetic context became absolutely encapsulated in the man, Jesus Christ. And, and what an impact it had in, in later years when Peter himself began to catch on to this message, you know, where, where, I mean, there was some time of confrontation with him and Paul, but eventually Peter caught on to this and he writes his first letter. He says in 1 Peter 1, 3, he says, we were born anew when Jesus was raised from the dead. Suddenly he skips all our modern references of, you know, you've got to have this encounter with Jesus. You know, at least when you're three years old, get them to just say the sinner's prayer, you know, so they can go to heaven if they die. No, he says, come on, man, something happened to us, humanity. When Jesus was raised from the dead, the single grain of wheat did not abide alone. It brought forth much and when we lift up our eyes, when he tells us to in John chapter 4, he says, when they're walking through the grain fields, he says, do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? You know, all the farmers in the Jewish community obviously knew that. He says that from the day that you plant the seed, you'll only eat the bread four months later. You have to hang in there. And so we've, 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 you know, we've adopted so many definitions around the time um, zone thing you know because we, we we're so prepared as humans to always just put it off you know just just <laughs> just just we'll just delay four months then the harvest will come we've got to wait for the right time he says i want you to lift up your eyes that means look away from the harvest that you're looking at 
the one that you've been laboring for, the one that you've been packaging in your theology and your doctrines, and you're hoping that it's going to work like this, and you've got your four steps, and you're into, you know, studying it off by heart, and then trying to apply it. You know, people always want, want recipes. They beg me to just give them a recipe. But here's, here's the reality of it all. He says, lift up your eyes. I want you to see a harvest that is already ripe. You don't have to waste another moment. <laughs> There's a harvest that is already ripe. When is the harvest ripe? Only when the seed in the, in the ear, in the corn, matches the seed that was sown. And in his death we died. And here Peter says, he announces it boldly. He says, we were, raised, we, we were born, born anew when Jesus was raised from the dead. There is so much in the resurrection that rebirths us, reboots us into newness of life. I believe with all my heart that humanity, as we are right now here on this planet, we are the resurrection generation. So when Peter says this, he says, man, I will make sure that you'll be able to recall these things. He says, and he says, you'll do well if you pay attention to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place. And, you know, we've, we've lived for many years in, in uh, darkest Africa. <laughs> and, but we love nature, you know. So we've often gone into many very remote places where there was no electricity whatsoever, no signal, no nothing. And, 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 and you go with your, even people coming on our, our safaris, we always tell them, please, you know, get a decent flashlight. Because at night, just walking from, you know, where we gather to our room, it's unfenced and unprotected, you know, and we obviously join them and take them there. I mean, if you haven't got a flashlight, you're in trouble because you can walk like that into any of those amazing animals that look so wonderful on your TV screen. But in real life, you know, thank God you sometimes smell them before you see them or you can hear them at least, you know, but sometimes you don't and you've got to have a flashlight. So Peter says, as, as a lamp, so it's to such advantage to you in a dark place. He says, I want to give you my testimony, my word, just like I've taken the prophetic word. That's why I love scripture, you know, because I, I, this, this, this is so addictive. You get, you get a hold of, of this word. It gets a hold of you. You know, it's like taking one or two shots of whiskey too many. You know, you, first you take a hold of it and then it starts taking a hold of you. And it's just like that one so indulges in the word. Yes, Peter says, my desire is that as you take a hold of this word as a lamp shining in a dark place. He says, the morning star will arise within your heart. On the horizon of your heart, the day dawns. You no longer need the flashlight because there's a greater reality that dawns in your understanding. And this is the beauty of the message that we communicate, you know, is that this message carries within it the ability to awaken someone's understanding. And it's always so sad to witness, you know, as I was working through the book of Luke, I'm still into Luke, I'm so enjoying Luke, how, how it, you know, he has this deal audience, you know, he has these, these people that are desperate, you know, for a touch, desperate to encounter this man, Jesus Christ. And, and there are the, you know, the learned ones, the scholars who are standing outside, you know, or inside, but, but, but outside in their minds because they've got this frown on their foreheads, you know, they're scrutinizing every little word weighing up what he said and they just cannot come to grips with the fact that they are faced with the fullness of the prophetic word incarnate 
in flesh as in a mirror and they would rather just sit back and, and like Nicodemus but he got enlightened eventually but he would go in the dark and sneak in and have his questions you know but but they would sit there and gossip and, and miss the whole plot and miss the entire blessing of the moment and and so so Peter doesn't want us to miss that you know so he says but after my departure I want you to access what I've seen and what I've said like a lamp that shines in a dark place until the morning star rises in your heart. And this is exactly what Paul was praying about. We mentioned earlier in Ephesians, Ephesians 1, he says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding will be flooded with light. Isn't it amazing that we have access to a dimension that floods our inner being with light? In the midst of darkness, you know, we've been so accustomed to, 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 to measure the degree of darkness, you know. Oh, we go to that scripture in Isaiah where he says, darkness shall cover the earth, say the Lord, thick darkness, the people. And, and, and you, you kind of expect God to say, you know, even I am scared, says the Lord, you know. But, but God says, thick darkness, thick darkness. Imagine how we've become professors in measuring the thickness of darkness. We have people in South Africa and I'm sure all over the world, you know, some of the wonderful sincere Pentecostal charismatic folk. I mean, I love the whole bunch of them, but, but sometimes one would be so in, involved with measuring the devil and his works and, he, and the latest statistics that it becomes our only reference. You know, it's, it's, you know, you know our town has got, you know, we've got the headquarters of Satanism in our town. You know, how about your town? <laughs> Thick darkness shall cover the earth. But there's good news. He says, arise and shine for your light has come. To your light is God's strategy. It's the resource of heaven that breaks on the horizon of your community. Right now, as we, as we speak, as we communicate, there's lights going on everywhere in people's understanding. Their minds go, woohoo, because you are made, you are made compatible to engage with God. God is not playing hide and seek with you. He desires for you to discover that before you seek him, he was ready to be found by you. Isaiah 65 verse 1. He says, I stood there with my arms wide open. <laughs> oh my goodness. So we're, we're living in exciting days. We're living in such an exciting hour, such amazing moments to allow Holy Spirit to just break through the horizon of our of our. Um, uh, reasoning and awaken us to a new understanding, to a resurrection life that is more tangible than anything else that we could ever measure ourselves by. You cannot, even if you are most sincere, but you cannot measure temperature with a ruler. I mean, it's just the wrong instrument. I've got one here, right here. Look at this. I mean, you cannot, you can try your best. This thing was not designed. It could measure other things, but it cannot measure temperature. And how we've sought to try and measure God in our theologies and doctrines and our translations and our interpretations over the years. But we found a measure. And I so enjoy the Hebrew word Meshach, where we get the word Messiah from. The root word of Messiah means to measure to measure. We are measured in Christ. The full stature of Christ. It has nothing to do with how old you are, how, how experienced you are in whatever. It has nothing to do with your physical stature, whether you're the short or the tall or the big or the fat or the skinny. It's the measure of Christ that ignites your spirit so that the tallness of his stature becomes evident in you. And in the simplicity of your ordinary mundane days, you know, sometimes we get so excited listening and 
speaking these truths that we think, woohoo, you know, we're just gonna just gonna float around. That's wonderful. Go there. But you know, in in, in life on this planet, you can have your down days where things are just like very very ordinary. But let me tell you explicitly that nothing changes your inner man. There's something inside of you that you may tap into. One thought, one, one engagement, one conversation ignites the light of life. Jesus says it's like rivers of living water that gushes out of your innermost being. And Jesus was not a special speaker on some great charismatic event. He was attending the eighth day of of the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem, uninvited. His brothers warned him. They said to him, you don't go there. They're going to kill you. These guys are going for you. They're going to kill you. They're going to take you out. So yeah, Jesus sneaks into the party and it's the eighth day. It's while the, 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 the priests, you know, they're, they're gathering water with a golden jar out of the pool of Siloam and they, they mix it with wine and pour it over the altar and the people are bursting out in song and praise and, and they sing typically that beautiful um, song in Isaiah. He says, um, uh, by the water, by the wells, so, my Jesus, that is not nearby. She normally helps me when I get stuck. But anyway, here it is, here it is. In, in, uh, let, let us draw water from the wells for salvation. Yeah, here it is. <laughs> right here in the mirror Bible, it is too. Hey? Oh, therefore with joy. Therefore, from Isaiah 12, verse 3, therefore with joy shall we draw water. Isn't it wonderful that you can draw from the wells of salvation with joy? It's not like, oh, the well's dry today. You know, gosh, uh, we've exhausted it. Remember, we had this crisis last year or the previous year or last month or last week. We've exhausted the well. It's just with joy you draw water from the wells of salvation. Isn't it wonderful? They, they, they sang and prophetically celebrated. I want to remind you that all the Jewish feasts, whatever they were, whether they were the Sabbaths, you know, the, the weekly Sabbaths, whether they whether they the, the monthly new moons, we've just had a spectacular moon. I'm sure you guys to be in the same planet. And and I mean we we have all these seasons and we've got these big festivals, you know, the Easter and the Pentecost and, and, uh, and I always say Christmas, sure of Christmas, but the Feast of Tabernacles, they have all concluded the prophetic word has found a final reference in the man Jesus Christ in human form, in packaged in skin. The the word skenos is the Greek word in the Septuagint for the word tabernacle. And it's where we get the word skin. You see, you, you host God in your skin. God is so at home in you. You're the tabernacle of God. He does not live in buildings and shrines and tabernacles and we build with stone and wood and, and whatever, calf skins. We are, we are clothed in Christ and he desires for us to discover the full stature of the measure of every grace gift that God has lavished upon us in him. So when Paul prays in Ephesians 1, he prays that the eyes of our understanding will be flooded with light. And, and he, he goes into such detail in chapter 3. I mean, the whole of, of, of Ephesians, I'm so glad Paul didn't write in, in verses and chapters. You know, he just burst out in conversation. And remember, he only had two prayers that he prayed, that he had people pray for him. The one was in, in Colossians and the other one in Ephesians. He says, I, I pray that, the, that, that, that um, he says, when you pray for me, pray that every time I open my mouth, that utterance will be given me. That I may know how to speak as I ought in uncovering the mystery mystery is we're talking about a conversation within a conversation 
you know, we can say these things over and over again, but oh God, when, when, that, when that mystery is unveiled, and this is Paul's urgency. He says, I, he says when, you, when you read this, you'll perceive my insight. He says, I want you to, to gather more than just new popular doctrine that you can package in your time zone. But I desire for you to see with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord as in a mirror. You see, that takes window shopping out of the equation. We've wasted so much time, you know, studying different scriptures and sincerely, you know, gathering all the scriptures around healing, for instance, or around this or that or the other. And we've made all those claims and all these wonderful promises until we discover that every single one of those promises was made, yes, in the man, Jesus Christ. He's God's capital letter, exclamation mark. You see, every promise already claimed you. So when with unveiled faces we beholding the glory of the Lord as in a mirror, we discover a different reality on a different level. Because suddenly we're no longer standing there as mere audience. We reflect, we mirror the conversation that breaks through every time zone. That becomes more relevant than post-toasties. Whatever is relevant in your context, it's just, it's just the most relevant Jesus who steps into your world and finds your skin and your smile and your countenance already a vehicle to communicate, sometimes without words, with touch, with grace. God floods you with grace. He floods you with grace because you are God's living epistle, known and read by all people. It's not the person on this planet that doesn't read mother tongue language. And the living epistle is God's mother tongue language. Package to you. God has no better vehicle in the universe. I thank God for nature. We, we like bonkers about nature. We love, love nature. We love everything that nature is. It's just amazing. You know, our most favorite programs on TV would be just going to 184 here in South Africa on the BBC nature program. It's amazing. But what eclipses every most beautiful, amazing nature program that we can document is what God was able to document in the individual. No wonder Paul says, from now on, therefore, I no longer know anyone according to the flesh. We have robbed ourselves as a human race because we're so engaged with our politics that we allow politics to split America up. We allow politics to split South Africa up. We allow politics to get us into their camps. Forget about the camps. Hear me today. God is calling America to recognize people no longer as South or North or West or East. Whatever labels we care to, 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 to carry, especially within election times, to discover that we are eclego. Eclego is unfortunately translated and hijacked by the by the Calvinist ideas, you know, of God's election. But the word ek, lego, lego is the verb for the word logos, out of the word. Ek, lego speaks of a, an incarnation generation. You are the incarnate. You are incarnate with him. And God desires you to awaken to an understanding that sees people differently. Doesn't matter what they say, what they do, which side of the camp they are in, what they vote, what they do, what they did. You see people for the treasure they carry. Because when we see people differently, 
suddenly our world changes. He says, behold, everything has become new. <laughs> Isn't that something? Everything has become new. When Paul speaks, I call it the metanoia moment. I'm busy redoing and re-editing the book, Divine Embrace. I, haven't, I, I wrote that, I think, in 1990, the first time. And then in, uh, 10 years later, I, uh, and then it was just four messages that we preached 40 years ago that someone did an audio tape, audio tapes off and transcribed. So then in 2010, in 20, 2010, we kind of added a few books to it and then we took it off the shelf. And now I've been busy for almost five, six weeks on, on uh, just re- revising and it's growing. You know, it's, I think it's almost 350 or more pages already. So it's, it's growing. And, um, it's just such an amazing book, you know, uncovering the, the divine embrace. And I was going somewhere with this, but I've forgotten briefly. But it doesn't matter. We've still got lots of... My brother, you've got such a beautiful smile. You so inspire my heart. Thank my you. God, my goodness. <laughs> Jesus. So in, in the book, Divine Embrace, yes, we've... Uh, uh, it's just it's just an amazing book because I've basically taken the, the the scriptures I've just taken them all out of the mirror Bible. There's so much commentary, but but packaged them in in different situations where people have different um, uh, issues and they, and any question you could possibly have, we, we deal with it there. You know, and it's just so wonderful to allow the word to find voice in the reflection in your heart because that's what we are wired to is to reflect the word to reflect. It's 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 the it's the most beautiful devotional understanding is to realize that worship is not some sacred moment that you have from time to time with a few goosebumps, but worship is just living within the context of an awareness of our oneness, that there's nothing that can separate us. And that as we communicate that in our, in our conversation with the next person, and it might be someone who in the natural could possibly irritate you a bit, or maybe not quite your style or your kind, but to see people, to see people with new eyes, to see the new birth as equally valid in their lives as it is in your own as it is in Jesus because whatever is true in Jesus is John in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 7 and 8 he says it's not a new doctrine that we're trying to propagate he says it's the word that was from the beginning but he says it is new in verse 8 of 1, 1 John 2 he says you know it's we, we may ask but John why, why could how could that which is old be new he says here it is whatever is true about Jesus is equally true about you and how God desires for us to discover this truth that awakens us in relationship to other people. Because, you know, people can disappoint people. People can hurt and injure and murder people. But there's a greater reality. And we're tapping into a love reality and a dimension that is inexhaustible. And maybe I must just page there as well, because in, in Paul's prayer here in Ephesians, we've got it so beautifully documented here in the mirror translation. But I mean, you can read it in any translation of your choice. Paul speaks with such urgency, you know, and his desire to to unveil the dimensions of the love of Christ, you know, so that we may be filled, he says, with all the fullness of God. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? You know, we, we used to we used to do almost like they did in the old Catholic days, you know, where they gather little relics. I mean, our shock lady and I, I think it was in Spain or somewhere, going to these cathedrals. 
and they've got these little pieces of, you know, in South Africa, oh, I shouldn't even go there, but in South Africa, I think you've got jerky in, in there as well, but we, we're very good on, on biltong, we, we dry meat, you know, and I was reminded of this, this really very dry, you know, we get little relics of, of old saints, you know, to try and hold on to some, some connection with some distant saint, but it's always, it's always like, wow, spooky, and it's way behind our rich. But here we have it to do with, with a living animal, you know, <laughs> the reality of the word made flesh. The word of God was, thank God for the mirror Bible and all the other Bibles, but it was never destined to find just a little comfortable spot in a page in a book. You know, I thank God for leather Bibles and for plastic Bibles and whatever, but, but God's word was always destined to be clothed in skin, in raw human life. It desires to find that place of ah, settling in your own inner being. So let me just read this before before I forget where I was. It's in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17. Well, first of all, verse 15 says, every family in heaven and on earth originates in him. He is mankind's family name and he remains the authentic identity of every nation let's not allow our identities of ourselves you know in our in the context of our history sad whatever it was i mean most of us have very 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 sad histories that we are somehow ashamed of you know you talk about us in south africa oh my goodness jesus but you know what isaiah says he says arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the lord is risen upon you that same glory that he says in Isaiah chapter 40, he says, every high place should be made low. He speaks in the wilderness, a highway in the wilderness, not just a little track, you know, that, that the deity would sneak into from time to time, just touch you with a little goosebumpy moment. He says, I'm, play, I, I'm doing a redemption. I'm doing a redemption that is to rescue the human race on planet Earth and every definition of opposition, every definition of resistance, every definition of distance, of delay, of just not being able to connect he says i've done away with it even the rough places i've made smooth and the glory of the lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together isn't that something how god wants all flesh to see it together to see what the glory of god with unveiled faces revealed as in a mirror transforming my mind and metamorphosis takes place and i I suddenly see myself and know myself know me the way i've always been known you know when we did our safaris years back we we did it full full time for a few years and we built our own lodge there and we would take 10 people in at a time. And for three nights, they had to book in for three nights and they would take them out and walking safaris and we'll encounter the big five in the wild. I mean, they're not in a circus. No, no one's trained. They just, it's just us there with, with proper guns, you know, elephant guns. So in case we get trouble, you know, we can, we can shoot our way out of it, but you know, we, we wouldn't thank God. But what I'm saying is that when, then we'd also do a game drive sometimes later in the night, we'll go with the spotlights and, and you've got your 10 people in your vehicle and you, 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 you you, you really see Africa in its in its raw realness. You know, it's it's not fake. It's not make believe. It's not like in a zoo. And on your left, ladies and gentlemen, you have the African leopard. No, no, this is this is like real. The goosebumps, everything. And um, what I'm the point I'm trying to make is, you know, the idea is not that we're going out so that each each of us can have our personal moment. You know, we're not talking. Just, we, we're trying to be quiet, obviously. But when you spot something, then um, it's your private moment. You don't want anyone else. You're kind of distracted. Man, you look your way. I'm sitting on this side. 
and you've got this wonderful swipe and just for you. No, no. The whole idea of the safari is that every person in your group um, should be equally engaged in the same sighting. And this is really what the gospel is all about. You see, we're dealing here with a gospel that carries more, more integrity and more authentic um, value that we could ever imagine. It belongs to the universe. And we've allowed universal to be hijacked by ideas that, oh, now these guys can be labeled as universalist or inclusionist. You know, those are two of the most precious words in the gospel. If ever a thief would want to steal two words out of a gospel, it would be those two, you know, make it an exclusive us for and no more. No, no, this, is, this belongs to your neighborhood. It belongs to your neighbor. It belongs to your mother-in-law. It belongs to whoever you, you, you have. That you maybe have a little tension. No, it belongs to them equally. And if all we can do in communicating this gospel is to ignite that flame in your spirit, to see yourself to begin with differently, to see yourself go seated, seated together with Christ in heavenly places. Do you know what? You didn't get yourself there. There is nothing that you or I can do or any saint on this planet to get us more elevated than what we already are. No wonder Paul prays in Colossians 3. He says, he says that he says, since then we are raised together with Christ. You see, those are key words. If we fail to understand that, we've got no gospel to preach. He says, since we are raised together with Christ. How did we get raised together with Christ? That's a good question. Read a little bit back. Paul writes about the same theme in Ephesians chapter 2, verse, verse, eight, verse 5 and 6. He says, while we were still dead in our trespasses, that means without our permission, without our involvement at all whatsoever, we were co-quickened. We were co-raised. We are co-seated together with Christ. And now many people say, oh, but he said that just to the Ephesian church. You know, it's for the church believing people. No, no. He said that while we were still dead. So where were you before you were in the church? Before you were a believer? Before you joined any kind of gathering or group? You were dead in your trespasses, Paul says. And God co-quickened us. Peter says the same thing. He raised us while, you know, in his resurrection. So Colossians, he says, I know the, many of our authorized versions says, if we are raised together with Christ, and we'd like to take the if and draw it up and make it all conditional and law language. But in Paul's language, when Paul would speak English, Paul would use if as a conclusion and not as a condition. Massive difference. He says the conclusion of the gospel is that something happened to the human race when Jesus hung on that cross. We died together with Christ. When he was buried, we were buried together with him. We, we descend, he descended into our hell. We, you see, God, in the genius of God, the death of Jesus became the very doorway. So that Jesus through that doorway could access and take us by the hands and lead us into our own deepest darkness. He go quickened us. He didn't leave us and say, okay, well, I just want to teach you a lesson. You hang around there for a while. <laughs> Let's go. Get out of here. <laughs> Came back with the keys. How dare we still try and reinvent hell or darkness or whatever definition? If you already came back with the keys, what you do with the key? What an insult to the gospel, to our understanding, to the logic. We're not talking his spiritual spooky language. I'm speaking logic. If God says that you were co-quickened, you know where Paul got that from? He got it from Hosea. And guess what? Hosea prophesied 800 years before Christ. And Jesus and Paul hooked onto that prophecy and declared that prophecy. Isaiah, Hosea chapter 6 verse 2. He says, after two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up. 
So how did we get elevated? In Christ, we share the same elevation. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Don't read Ephesians chapter 4 verse 8. Paul says, he led us as his trophies in his triumphant procession on high. <laughs> and then he says, listen, I want you to get this. You know, he who ascended is also he who descended. You see, you've got to get this, this logic. I mean, he, he, why, why, how could Jesus ascend with us as his trophies? If he didn't also descend before he ascended, where did he descend into? He descended into our deepest pits of despair, into our deepest darkness, into the gloom of our minds. It's been so veiled for generations to just just see what we're not. But he says, I've always known you and I've come to introduce you to you again so that you may know even as you've always been known. And he co-raises us and he co-enthrones us. <laughs> so no wonder Colossians 3, Paul says, man, if then you are raised together with Christ, engage your thoughts with throne room realities. We are bombarded with so much information. I mean, we turn the, the computer on. We've got to carry in our pockets. We turn our cell phones on and, and we are bombarded with information. The latest COVID statistics, the latest this, the latest that. And I mean, it's, be informed if you want to be, but, but please don't go into studying the enemy. You know, I was invited to speak at a conference once and, and the person before me had to speak on know your enemy. Oh my goodness, I wish I spoke after I did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you see, I, I, you know, we've, we've wasted so much time to try and unlearn things. You know, we, we call it, what do we call it? It's like a popular word nowadays. Um, Construction. Deconstruction, yeah. yeah. yeah we, and, 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 and the sad thing is, we go with Israel and through the same, we left the same wilderness. 40 years later, we die in the same old wilderness, but we're just deconstructing. Man, get it over and done with. There's a wonderful Greek tense, you know, the, the, the aorist, um, in, uh, the, 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 the aorist in, imperative means get it over and done with. And so much of Paul's conversation in the New Testament, I mean, even they, they use this aorist imperative, get it over and done with. You know why? Because we've got to engage our thoughts right now, engage our thoughts, the throne room realities. We're not on this journey, you know, where we've got to go and, and waste all this time just going for another lap through the same old wilderness. And, and, and all we do is, oh, we're gaining experience. In, experience in doing what? In being defeated, in being ineffective, in being unfruitful. Let's get out of that mindset and say, oh my God, I want to sanctify my mind. I want my thoughts, my thoughts to, to engage with God's thoughts. The, the, the Hebrew word kavah in Isaiah 40 says the young men become weary and exhausted. Why? Because they, 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 they stuck in the works realm. You know, I've got to perform. I've got to try and you know, get people to like me because I've got to get, you know, I've got to, you know, become stronger and more shaped. And, and I, wow, because I mean, there's such competition. But he says, I want to engage in a different dimension. He says, they that kavah, we've made waiting upon the Lord something very boring. You know, we're hanging in there. We're just hanging there. You know, hanging there. But, you know, we've been hanging in there legitimately for many years, and we just don't get anywhere. We thought, God says, kavah. Kavah is the Hebrew word that means to entwine. It's like when you're plaiting a rope. When you're plaiting a rope. He says, I want your strength to be multiplied so that you may mount up with wings like an eagle. Arise and shine for your light has come. And you know what he says there before I forget that one in Isaiah? He says, and the nation shall come to your light and their kings to the brightness of your rising. 
You see, we have underestimated ourselves. We've allowed the guys with the glitter and with the glory and with the big platforms on television to, you know, oh, God's going to, if God's going to move in this world, it's going to be some big name. <laughs> oh, Paul preached himself out of business. This is not only my presence, but much more in my absence. If my presence has to be, you know, glorified as some kind of icon and roar, come on, then I've missed the entire plot in the ministry. Because ministry is about preaching yourself absent, much more in my absence. Peter says, you will do well to pay attention to this as to a lamp shrunk. The Lord has shown me that my time of departure is soon. Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I hang in for a little few more years. He says, now that I go. <laughs> because he's not leaving you absent. It's impossible. You know that loneliness is a lie. It's impossible to be lonely. It is impossible to be lonely. Because you're embraced in the fellowship of the Father and the Son. And I'm not trying to spiritualize your situation. This is the reality. I'm talking about a dimension that is closer to you than the button on your screen. It's closer to you than your breath. It's the presence of the present God. The I amness of Jesus as in a mirror, so that you and I may behold the glory. And what happens with that glory? That glory communicates, and the nation shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness. They've run out of answers. I tell you, let's not lean too hard, bless God, and pray for the politicians, but they're not going to change this world enough for the glory of God to be unveiled. You're right there, right now, engaging the glory of God. Is enthroned, enthroned thoughts. Engage your thoughts. Set your mind upon the things that are above. Okay, let me just read something to you here. Just excuse me. Uh, I was still in Ephesians chapter 3. Every family in heaven is mankind's family name. It remains the authentic identity of every nation. Do you know that Jesus is your authentic identity? I've got my finger here. Don't worry. I'll get back to Ephesians chapter 3. We won't keep you for too long. We're almost through. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, in, in, in one, in one uh, Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9, I just want to read you this little verse. It's so beautiful. I read it this morning somewhere. I think it was in the book Divine Embracer. I'm busy editing. It says he rescued. Listen to this. He rescued the integrity of your original design. We've underestimated what salvation means. You know? We thought, you know, if I can just get healed or if I can just get, you know, feel a little bit better, then, then I'm saved. You know, if I just consider a sinner's prayer sincerely enough this time, you know, then I'll go to heaven one day. No, no, what did Jesus come to rescue? What is he the savior of? He came to rescue the image and the likeness of God in human form inside of you. That's what he came to rescue. He came to rescue the unique voice that God has in you. The unique mother tongue language God speaks through your life. So he says he rescued the integrity of our, of our original design and revealed that we have always been his own from the beginning. You know about the three... Um, Parables that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 15, you know, the lost uh, shepherd, the, the lost shepherd. I thank God the shepherd didn't get lost. It was the sheep. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We did. 
You know, we, many people say, oh, but we've never been lost. Yes, you have. <laughs> he wouldn't bother to say Jesus if you were okay. We were lost. We were in deep um, SHI. We really, we were, you know, it was really terrible. We were in a bad spot. This planet was in a bad spot. And I know people get so excited about this. He's always known as we've always been in Christ. Oh, we've never, there's never been anything wrong with me. Of course there was, you know. <laughs> we, we, we were in deep trouble. So he says, and we were, but but what I want to say about those three, you know, the last sheep, the last coin, the last son, you cannot be lost unless you belong. Did you hear that? You cannot be lost unless you belong to begin with. You can't go and say, oh, I've just lost my phone, but it wasn't really yours. The earth is the Lord's, Psalm 4, 24 verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell in it. There is not a place on this planet that is not God's real estate. There's not a person alive, dead, or still to be born on this planet that is not God's real estate. You are the property of God. And when he takes us prophetically, like through Israel, to, to own, the, to possess the nation, says, ask of me, and I'll give you the nations as your heritage. He says, today I have begotten you. That's uh, Psalm chapter 2. And Paul quotes that when he preaches on the resurrection. He says, your co-begottenness gives you an inheritance in the nations because the nations are your portion. <laughs> so he says this he says um, by design we've been we've always been his own from the beginning you see a thief never ever takes ownership at what point does a thief become the owner the earth is the Lord's we've always been his own even before time was God has copyright on you (laughs) Jesus this is nothing to do, listen to this, this is nothing to do with anything we did to qualify or disqualify ourselves. We are not talking religious good works or karma here. So someone said to me the other day, but how do you get this word karma? I mean, that's not, that's not in the Greek, but it's in religion. It's in religion. It's exactly the same old lie packaged, whether we package and call it karma, but it's the lie of, I've got to perform to become. I've got to do something to be. I've got to be recognized. I've got to be in with a crowd. So I've got to, and the, but any performance-based religion is born out of the same lie, carries the same seed. This is, he says, we're not talking religious good works or karma here. Jesus unveils grace to be the eternal intent of God. Grace celebrates, listen to this, grace celebrates our pre-creation innocence. How's that for rebooting? <laughs> if all else fails, reboot. <laughs> reboot. We've been rebooted. If then we have been rebooted together with Christ, seated together with Christ, engage your thoughts. Set your mind upon things that are above and not the things below. Those are just two dimensions he's speaking about. You know, when we point up, I know you guys in America point the different directions. So, I mean, heaven's not out there somewhere just, just heading that way. No, it's a different dimension. And it's closer to you than your thoughts. You live and move and have your being in God. You cannot escape God. <laughs> but you can waste time. And this is why we preach. Because we don't want you to waste time. Redeem time. Discover time. Discover time in the beauty of redemption. And then suddenly every moment becomes so precious. So grace celebrates our pre-creation innocence and now declares our redeemed union with God in Christ Jesus. 
Isn't that beautiful? Verse 10 is also lovely. It says, everything that Grace pointed to. I've got a whole page of, of commentary notes there, but I'll skip all the commentary notes. Otherwise, we'll keep it here for the whole night. But verse 10 says, everything that Grace pointed to is now realized in Jesus Christ and brought into clear view through the gospel. Jesus is what Grace reveals. He took death out of the equation and redefines life. This is good news indeed. Remember we're talking about the good of the good news. You see, if the good news I preach doesn't make you feel good, then I'm not teaching the good enough news. There's nothing that injects you with more reason for joy. Therefore, with joy shall we draw waters. And I was still getting there. So they were singing this, remember, in, 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 in um, John. He records it in John chapter 7. They were singing at the great Feast of Tabernacles, the final day, the crescendo of eight days of festivity. Really, they're celebrating the fact that their whole generation died in the wilderness. I don't know how they got around that. Anyway, so that there it was. So Jesus stands up and says, guys, it's not his turn to speak. He cries out. He makes a loud noise. He says, hey, everybody. I am the one who this feast is all about me the scriptures, the prophetic words all about me, he says if you're thirsty come to me and drink, he says oh therefore with joy will we draw water from the wells of salvation and we're drawing from the pool of Siloam, we're drawing from this the, the sacred water that's in the sacred place, go and read it in my commentary note on John chapter 7 in the mirror bible, I don't have time to talk about that but we're drawing from this well and Jesus says I want to bring you to a well that is closer to you than Jerusalem. If you can go to Israel, go for it. You know, but don't waste your money to try and find an anointing there. The anointing is in you. The well is inside of you. You're the city of God. You're the bride of Jesus Christ. He wants you to discover the springs of living water that gushes from your innermost being. And you know, John says, Jesus said, um, uh, if you know, if you believe that I am what the book's all about, you will discover that you are what I am all about. You are what Jesus is all about. This whole book's about Jesus. The whole Jesus is about you. So this is what we read in, in, in Colossians. Um, uh, no, uh, in Ephesians, back in Ephesians 3, because I just wanted to, then, then we close, my brother. He says, every family in heaven and earth originates in the means, mankind's family name. Um, so we're his authentic uh, design. I desire for you to realize what the Father has always envisaged for you so that you may know the magnitude of his intent and be dynamically reinforced in your inner being by the Spirit of God. If ever the people of America and the people of this world needs reinforcing, to be reinforced in, in, the, in our inner being by the Spirit of God. This is Paul's prayer. And let me tell you, God already completed that prayer. He fulfilled that prayer for you right now. I'm just repeating it so that your faith can rise up within your spirit. He says in verse 17, this will ignite your faith to fully grasp the reality of the indwelling Christ. You are rooted and founded in love. Love is your invisible inner resource, just like the root system of a tree and the foundation of a building. The dimensions of your inner person exceed any other capacity that could possibly define you. Verse 18, love is your reservoir of superhuman strength, which causes you to see everyone equally sanctified in the context of the limitless extent of love's dimensions, its breadth, its length. 
and the extremities of its dimensions in depth and height. All right. There is no dimension that we could possibly imagine that could, that could measure and package the fullness of what you carry. He says, I desire for you to become intimately acquainted with the love of Christ on the deepest possible level, far beyond the reach of a mere academic intellectual grasp. Within the scope of this equation, God finds the ultimate expression of the image and likeness in you. You don't have to waste another day, wait another moment to engage with the simplicity of your co-seatedness together with Christ. This is why we communicate, because in our fellowship, we communicate something that just brings us to realize what we have, what we've been carrying, what, what God's all about, what we're all about. It's inside of us. And he wants to ignite your faith. It's a teaching for another time, but I was so touched by Luke's regular reference to your faith. Jesus saying, your faith has made you well. The blind man is just healed. <laughs> oh, that's going to be a whole new teaching. We'll talk about it later. But there's a place for your faith. There is only one faith. It's the Father's faith. But Paul preached in such a way that many believed. You're fully faith compatible. And God desires to ignite your being with a faith that finds voice in you. God bless you, Mike. Thank you so much. Love we you guys. Appreciate it. <clears throat> two two quick things, if you don't mind. Um, sure. One for everybody here, uh, Francois. That was beautiful. And you said that if it doesn't make people feel good, you're not you're not preaching it good enough. And I think you're preaching it good enough because my texts and comments are: this is beautiful. This makes me want to cry tears of joy. Um, and this is the message, guys. So uh, we're going to send Francois an honorarium. He has didn't ask for it, but we're that's just who we are. It's, it's just, we value this because this is the message that's going to deal with the race relationships right now. This is the message. This is the hope of the nations as he writes, this yeah. is going to solve all the problems. Absolutely. Not, not uh, <clears throat> as, as, as Baxter is both of our friends. He calls it the dodgy gospel where some, some people are in and some people are out. <laughs> it's just not accurate guys. It's just not it's accurate. Dodgy. Yeah. <laughs> It's every one of you, exactly what, as yeah. Jesus is, so are you. You're complete, as Francois says. Telios, you're perfect in him. Yeah. You love. Absolutely. Waste time on. Yeah. And so if you, if you want to give, just go to freedomministries.org, and you can put in the comments, Francois, and we'll send that to him. And then I think lastly, this is the greatest news we ever heard. You know, we grew up in a typical evangelical household, and, and uh, when you hear that, every human being was included from the foundation of the world. It's the most joyous thing we ever heard. But a lot of these people on here, they go out and they share this amazing message with, with uh, their family that's in church, etc., And they get met with some pretty hard resistance. So maybe just pray for them or how you would encourage them when they, when they, they get this revelation that all were included, that that's my brother, that the Muslim's my brother yeah. and he's part of my body. So whatever you want to pray for him uh, or just in how you encourage them, how to, how to just stay in love, that would be awesome. Yeah. 
yeah, you know, I, I thank God that we, 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 we're dealing with the lovers. We've just seen there in Paul's prayer that, that, that exceeds every, says it, it, it eclipses our understanding. It goes beyond our reasoning. And there's, that means in its horizontal context, there's no place on this planet that is not equally embraced. And in its spiritual di- dimensions, in the depth, the deepest, deepest darkness that people are in and the highest heavens that we're elevated to, those are just measures that we can engage with and realize that people are included. Now, now we sit in, in, in such a, all of us do, you know, we have friends, we have families that think we're totally nuts. I mean, they really do. They, and, and it's been for years, you know, we've been pro- proclaiming much of this, as I said, you know, the book Divine Embraces from tapes that we preached uh, how many years ago? I mean, uh, in the middle, middle 80s and, and, and early 90s. It is, so it's, it's a message that's been in our, in our hearts for many, many years. And, and we've, we've unfortunately sadly had people that, you know, that say, wow, one day, the next day they want to crucify you. <laughs> but, you know, it's so wonderful to stay um, in that place. I mean, even in Jesus' ministry, John tells us that none of his brothers believed in him. And there was a time where there was even distance with, you know, with his mother, you know, his mother and his, and his family, they were standing outside and they were sending in notes, you know, and Jesus said, you know, here are my, my, my family. So in the midst of, of contradiction, conflict and resistance, don't let that get to you. You know, the, I was just looking at Luke the other day in one of the scriptures there where you shake off the dust from your feet. It doesn't mean that I'm, I'm judging you. It's just Jesus is just saying, don't let that energy carry in your move, you know, just move on, move on. Don't go and park there and, and allow that dust to gather and say, Oh, I've got, I've got so many distant people that's now blocked me, you know, and they dislike me and, and don't go there. You know, I mean, it's like, it's like in, in life, you know, when, when, when you go into the kitchen, there's always a place where you, where you put the food that you didn't eat or the, the, the stuff that you, you know, it, 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 it goes out. You don't leave, don't, don't um, gather garbage energy in your mind. Don't let people's response and reaction uh, affect the way you think and feel about them and pray for them. And I know, oh, it's not, it's, it's, it's easy. Listen, if it's difficult, it's not his yoke. His yoke's easy. So if anything you're trying to do, dealing with a family member, if it becomes difficult, it's law. It's not Jesus. Jesus' yoke's easy. And you know, he takes the weight out of the burden. His burden is light. Oh, I've got this burden because, you know, two more family members just kind of just, they unfriended me on Facebook. Can you believe it? Yes, I can. But don't carry that energy. Engage the energy of lightness and joy. Therefore, with what? Grumpiness? No, no, with joy. We draw water from the wells of salvation. Oh, because there comes a time when those bitter people are in bitter need. And they know his number to call. So just carry on with joy. Live your life in joy. <laughs> Thank you, precious Jesus. Thank you, precious Jesus, for our, for our vast audience across this planet in this conversation. And as we embrace them, we embrace every single person that is associated to them in whatever way. We embrace families, groups of friends, Father, through the media, through Facebook, through wherever we are connected with people who embrace them in a oneness that carries more authority than darkness, thick darkness. <laughs> oh, I thank you, Jesus. The darkness is just the absence of light and that the fullness of the sun, the brightness of your glory, 
breaks upon the horizon of this planet in ordinary people's lives. Ordinary people just becoming extraordinarily empowered by your precious Holy Spirit, by the extravagance of your love. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Beautiful, my friend. God bless you. God bless Lydia, your family. And, Thank uh, you so much. I sure appreciate it. And when yes, the, and just uh, one little yeah, go ahead. Little advert. Just just this morning, our app has just been. It's been quite a long time, but the app has just been um, uh, updated with 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 Luke in it as well. Well, sixteen chapters of Luke and a whole lot of new features. So if you have an old app, um, you've got to just uh, take it off and put the new one on. You, uh, what do you do? You um, you close it and reopen it, or you might. I deleted mine off, off mine, and I just went back to the cloud and downloaded it again, and then um, register or not just log in again, and then it brings down the 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 version that's just been released this morning in South African time. So um, absolutely, and also the Kindle has just been re re updated again. So you can just go on your Kindle app and just go and email them to help you because I struggle always to get the latest Kindle app. God bless you. Thank you so much, guys. Yes. If you haven't, uh, I, I'm still old-fashioned. I actually do all. I do the app. I do the Kindle. And I, I love a book because I like to write in it. That might, yeah. that might be a, illegal how, how I was raised, that you can't write in your Bible. But I write in mine, Francois. I so. do, too. My Bible's <laughs> like to do they broken, shredded to pieces. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, hey. Uh, so, hey, everybody. We'll be back here 6 p.m. tonight, right back here for our online fellowship. But, uh, uh, hey, pick up that mirror study Bible, whichever form you want. And uh, I promise you, you'll see the good news like, good news like never before. And, and if you want to give, like I said, this is the message that is the hope for the nations. You can just go to freedomministries.org and put Francois on there. So God bless you. Sure love you and everything you do. Thank you, my precious brother. Thank you so much. See you, everybody.